0: this morning. Thank you. Thank you very much. My name is Dustin, one of the pastors here on staff. Uh, oversee NextGen and Direct Life Leadership College. And it is an honor to be with you anytime I'm able to take the platform and preach a message, especially an honor here on the final weekend of 2018 to share that with you. It's crazy. It's hard to believe. In fact, at the start of this message, I want us to do something that some of you might not want to do. Can we just take a moment and reflect back on this past year? All right. I know, again, for some of you, might be uncomfortable, but I want you to actually just take a moment, engage your brain, and think about this last year, the last 363, four, whatever, days of 2018. Just take a moment, think about the good moments, the bad, the in-between. I want to give you three words to start this message, and I want out of those three words for you to select the one that that most defines your 2018. All right, so I'm gonna give you three words. The first word I'll put on this end of the spectrum, and it is advancement. It's the word advancement. And so uh, your year primarily was one of successes, one success after another. It wasn't that nothing bad happened in 2018, but the good outweighed the bad, that this was a year primarily of forward progress. So the first word is advancement. On the other end of the spectrum, kind of way over here, it might be the for you, the second word that defines your year, and that is defeat. It's exactly what it sounds like, that your year was primarily one of defeat. Again, it's not that nothing good happened to you in your year, but that the bad outweighs the good. And the good moments are probably few and far in between. And at the end of the year, it's kind of hard to remember that there were good moments in your year. Because what defined your year wasn't the good, it was the frustrations and the heartbreaks and the heartaches and and the setbacks. Those were the things that defined your year and contributed to your year of defeat. Advancement, defeat, and then somewhere here in the middle, I wanna give you the third word, and that is struggle. Struggle. A lot of us, a lot of us have a, an improper understanding of struggle. We, we, when we hear struggle, we think negative right away. But I very intentionally chose struggle to be here in the middle because struggle is, is this idea of ups and downs. It's, it's struggle. Everything good in life is worth fighting for, right? And so a struggle takes a fight. It takes some conflict. It, it takes a little bit of tension, but that's a good thing. It's, it's up and down. It's back and forth. It wasn't an absolutely gut-wrenching year for you, but it also wasn't just a walk in the park. It was a year of struggle. Those are the three words, advancement, struggle, defeat. Which one, come on, actually figure this out, maybe write it down in your notes. Advancement, struggle, defeat, which which one defines your year? I think if we were to actually take a poll this morning, or not, you can, you can breathe in, you don't have to be honest with anyone this morning, don't worry, uh, that, that if we were to take a poll, a, r- a show of hands, I think there would be a few over here in the advancement column, but I think there would just be a few of us. Uh, we're probably, as a people, just generally more more pessimistic, and, so when, and, and the bad things are a lot easier to rem- remember sometimes than the good things, but I know that some of you would find yourself over here, and you're like, D- it was a good year, 2018 will go down in the books. But I think that there will be maybe a little bit more over here in the defeat column. And you'll say that 2018 will go down in the books, but for a very different reason than this crew over here, that it was just a bad year. But I think the overwhelming majority of us would find ourselves somewhere here in the middle. That that, that you would say that this year the struggle was real. This year the struggle was there, but I made it. In fact, I'm here at church on the last Sunday of the year. Something's going right for me. But, but I know as a pastor that, that that probably means for you that either something's going really right that you found yourself here this morning or something's gone terribly wrong and you, found, and you felt like you had to come at the end of the year and apologize to God because of all the... Maybe for you, you've been eating way too much gluttony over these last few days and you are here to repent before God. I'm sorry for the extra cake I ate. Like that's, that might be you. We'll have time to repent here later today for all the food that you ate. But uh, you're here... The struggle hasn't defeated you. Maybe, maybe you identify by the struggle. We all face seasons of struggle in our life. For some of us, it's a week here or there. For some of us, it's been a few months now. And for some of us in this room today, 2018 has really been a year of, of struggle. The, the good thing is, is that you're not alone if that's you. Not only are Are there other people in this room that can relate to you? But Jesus himself was no stranger to seasons of struggle. This morning, I want us to go to scripture, and I want us to look at a moment in Jesus' life, right before he takes the stage of ministry. It's right after his baptism, where Jesus purposefully, willingly, enters into the struggle. Take your Bibles and turn with me. We'll go to the first gospel, Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. The words, of course, will be up on the screen on either side of me as well. We're going to look at the temptation of Jesus. That's our last Bible school lesson, our Bible study before we go into the new year. We're going to look at the temptation of Jesus. Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. It's stories like this and many others in the Bible that I, I just don't fully get how Jesus actually like did that. <laughs> He, Jesus was in a desert, stripped of all comfort, uh, no, no friends, no food. If that doesn't sound like, like a temptation, if that doesn't sound like a struggle to you, I don't know what does. And the first thing to notice here is that Jesus didn't accidentally end up in the wilderness, It wasn't one day he was just wandering and then he found himself lost in the desert and then he was tempted by by Satan. No, he he very intentionally went there. In fact, if you look back in verse one, it it shows you how he got there and it might not be how you thought. Look look back in verse one. It says, Jesus was led by who? If you interact with me this morning, Jesus was led by who? The Spirit into the wilderness. That means the Spirit of God purposefully, intentionally led Jesus into the desert. This might be a surprise to a lot of Christians. A lot of us think that, that the Holy Spirit of God just likes to lead us into blessing after blessing after blessing. And wouldn't that be good if that were true? But that is not the case. And that is not how God generally operates. He doesn't always lead us to the mountaintop. There are many times where he leads us into the valley as well, where he leads us into the wilderness. So you may have recently been in the wilderness. You might currently find yourself in the wilderness or you might soon be in the wilderness. But at some point, you will find yourself wandering in the wilderness and it will be no accident that you are there. And it will be no scheme or ploy of the devil that got you there. It will be the Holy Spirit who led you there. You will find yourself at one time or another in a season of struggle in the wilderness. The question is not, will it happen to me? The question is, how will I respond once I'm there? So for the next few minutes, I want us to walk through the different temptations that Jesus faced, and in there, there's going to be three questions that he had to come face to face with, and it's the same three questions that we deal with when we find ourselves in the wilderness. So if you're taking notes, you can write down, question number one is this, will God provide? Will God provide? The first question that Jesus faced in the desert. We see that in verse two, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry, which is one of the greatest understatements in all of scripture, one of the greatest understatements of the year. If you go without food for 40 days and 40 nights, guess what's going to happen? You're going to be hungry. If you go without food for, if you skip lunch, you're gonna be hungry. The, the longest that I've gone fasting, I think, is like three or four days. I know I'm super spiritual, right? And at that moment, on those last moments, crackers looked like cheesecake. I would do anything for a morsel of food. Can you imagine 40 days and 40 nights without any food? Jesus was hungry. His physical body was depleted. And in that moment of physical weakness, the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. In other words, he attacked Jesus in the area of his appetite. He appealed to Jesus' flesh, to his physical need. And here's the thing, Jesus had the power to fix the problem. He's Jesus, right? Jesus could have looked at this stone and turned it into sourdough. Mm. He could have looked at these pebbles and turned them into cornbread or taken this boulder and turned it into banana nut bread. Praise God. He could have done all of these things. He could have taken the situation into his own hands and filled his stomach. But in that moment, Jesus had to determine, will I try and force God's hands or will I patiently wait? Will I try and bend God's will to mine or will I bend mine to His? Is my timing what's most important here or is God's? And we, we do not like to be patient. <laughs> we want things here and now. If we had the option of turning stone into bread, um, we would have been on that. I imagine for those of you that are going through a wilderness experience right now, that you can kind of relate to this question that Jesus faced, will God provide? Maybe for you, it's been a physical need that for months now, you you have been without healing in your life or in someone that's close to you. For some of you, maybe you've been praying for years now for God to heal you of this debilitating disease or this illness or this physical infirmity. And you have been praying and praying and praying. And God has not provided. For others of you, I know it might be a a financial need. I know that that those kind of needs are amplified during the Christmas seasons. And the debt is, is something that you can't dig yourself out of. The bills are piling up and you don't know what to do. For others of you, you're waiting on this miracle that only God can provide, and you've been praying and praying, but your patience is wearing thin. Will God provide, or do I need to take matters into my own hand? Will God provide? The second question that Jesus had, and that you and I might have as well when in the desert, is will God protect It's the second question that Jesus faced, will God protect? Verse 5, the devil took him to the holy city, had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Notice here who's actually quoting scripture. It's not Jesus in this moment. Who is it? It's the tempter, it's the devil, it's Satan that is actually quoting scripture. And with a blatant misuse of Old Testament scripture, the devil attempts to manipulate Jesus into fabricating a fantastical display of his power. If Jesus would simply launch himself off, then the angels will come and people will gather and applaud. The enemy knows scripture. He's been around a lot longer than you and I. He's got a greater memory than you and I. And he knows how to twist and manipulate it so that he can get you and I to doubt whether God will actually show up in our time of need. A lot of us forget that this is the way that the deceiver operates. Some of us think that he's this big bad wolf that just wants every single one of us to do crack cocaine. Like that's not the way the tempter works. He's crafty, he's deceptive. And so he will often come like... The enemy does not care if we outright hate God if he can simply get us to doubt God. And when we begin to doubt God, you know what happens? We grow worried and and, and we fret and anxiety creeps in. Like, will God actually protect my mom as she goes into surgery next week? Will God protect my heart as we go through this rocky divorce? Will God protect my kids as they continue to wander away? Will God protect me as I begin to share my faith with my coworkers and endure the ridicule for aligning myself with Christ? Will God protect? Will God provide? Will God protect? And finally, thirdly, will God promote Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. Verse 9, all of this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Here's the thing, the devil wasn't offering something that he didn't have the power to give. According to Ephesians chapter 2, the devil already had control over the kingdoms of the world. He was offering to give to Jesus one of the most dangerous things for the Christian. A shortcut. A shortcut. In this temptation, Jesus could bypass the struggle. He could circumvent the difficulties that he was going to face over these next three years of his life. Like, he, if he were to do this, Jesus could avoid the betrayal. He could avoid the suffering. He could avoid the crucifixion if only in this moment he would bow. Like, we all want to be successful in our individual spheres of life, and that's okay. Like, we want to succeed. We want to move forward. That's not a bad thing. It's okay to pursue a new job or a raise or greater notoriety in your field or literal promotion at your workplace. We want to be recognized and rewarded for who we are and for what we accomplish, The question is, will we work hard and allow God to promote us in his way and in his timing or will we take the shortcut? Will we, will we fudge the numbers? Will we just lie on the report, just a little white lie on the report to make ourselves look good? Will we, will we get ahead at the expense of others around us? These are the shortcuts that we're offered. Christians all the time, all throughout life, are offered so many shortcuts. And here's the thing, you can take the shortcut if you want, and it might help you succeed, at least by the world's standards. But if you cut the process short, it will be poisonous. It'll be poisonous. It will poison your relationships with others. It will poison your connectivity to God, and it will ultimately poison your very soul. But I promise you this. If you see the process through to the very end, it will be for you Prosperous. It's just in the moment of being faced with the question, we have to determine do we take the shortcut, which will prove to be poisonous? Or do we follow the process to the end and watch God do something prosperous? Will God provide? Will God protect? Will God promote? The three questions that Jesus faced in the wilderness. One thing about the devil is that he is not, he lacks in ingenuity, creativity. He still uses the same strategies today that he used to try to, to defeat Jesus then. And when you find yourself in the wilderness, the enemy will use these same tactics against you in an attempt to completely destroy you. He will cause you to question. You and I will face the question, will God, will I actually trust God to provide, protect, and promote? Or will I exhaust myself chasing after what God has already promised to supply? And when the questions come, you and I can be reminded that Jesus entered into the wilderness before us. And we can look at the questions that were posed to him and see how he responded. He responded the same way each and every time. Look back there in Matthew chapter 4, in verses 4, 7, and 10. He says, it is written, it is written, it is written. Over and over again, Jesus remembers the words of his father. I absolutely love this. Come on, take your Bibles. Look at the previous page. Maybe for you, it's just a few paragraphs Prior. Right before the wilderness experience, Jesus was baptized. And as he's coming out of the baptism waters, there in Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, he hears a voice. Something extraordinary happens. Don't miss this. Matthew chapter 3, verse 17. And a voice from heaven said, This is my son whom I love, and with him I am. And well, pleased. Can you imagine what this moment must have been like for Jesus? To hear a voice from his father in heaven speaking these words over him. I don't know if you had a good earthly father, but for a father figure, for someone in your life to speak these words to you, can mean so much for a child, no matter their age. And get this, God said this to Jesus before his public ministry where he preached to thousands. He said this to Jesus before his miracles where he made the blind to see and the deaf to hear. He said this to Jesus before his death and resurrection that would secure salvation for millions. Because the Father's love wasn't dependent on what Jesus had done. It was all about who he was and i can only imagine that over the next 40 days during that wilderness experience that jesus held on tightly to these words that his father spoke over him and that as he was in the desert as he was tired as he was weary as he was alone and facing the doubts of the deceiver don't you think he continually replayed in his mind i am his son i am loved He is pleased with me. I am his son. I am loved. He is pleased with me. If you are a Christian here today, these words spoken from the father to the son are the same words that your father in heaven speaks over you. He says you are loved. He is pleased with you. You are his son or his daughter. You don't have to prove anything to anyone because God is already pleased with you. Long before you did anything good, God chose you. And long before you did anything bad, God loved you. When your heavenly father looks at you, he sees Jesus in you. And he says, Chris, I love you. You are my son." And with you, I am well pleased. He says, Michelle, you are my daughter and I love you. And with you, I am well pleased. Life Church, listen. When you are in seasons of struggle, remember the words of the father are stronger than the doubts of the deceiver. The words of your father are stronger than the doubts of the deceiver. He is speaking his words. Are you listening? We do not serve a quiet God but sometimes we are a deaf people. In verse four, Jesus says that man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. If you're using your own Bible, I would encourage you to circle or underline the word word there. (laughs) We usually don't do word studies, especially when the word is word, but the Greek word for word hope you're following me here, is the word rhema. R-H-E-M-A, rhema. And this means a personal word, an utterance, a personal revelation. What it means here in Matthew chapter 4 is that it is a direct download from God in heaven to your hearts. A rhema can change your mindset in the most difficult season. A word from the Lord might not change your situation. It might not miraculously pull you out of the desert that you're going through, but it will most certainly change you while you're in the desert. Look, as we come to another end of a year, we need a fresh word from God. You cannot settle with what you felt in the past. He's got something new for you today. And look, you cannot make God speak. I cannot make God speak. But what we can do is find ourselves at the feet of Jesus in close proximity to him so that if and when he does speak, you are close enough to hear his voice. When Jesus listened to the words of his father over the doubts of the deceiver, something spectacular took place. Scripture says the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. When he listened to the words of his father, the devil left and the angels came. And the same is true for you and me today. When we tune our ears to the frequency of the father, When we listen, when we believe, when we obey, the devil leaves and the angels come. 2018 might not have been your year. For a lot of you, it might have been a season of intense struggle in the wilderness. The good news is you're not alone. Jesus went before you. He was in the desert before you. And the spirit of God that led him into the wilderness is the same spirit of God that can lead you to the wilderness. And if he leads you to, he will most certainly lead you through. When the questions come, they will surely come. You must not rely on your own strength, on your own creativity, on your own intellect or charm. Those things will only get you so far. You must rely on the words of your heavenly father. He's speaking over you this morning. Do you want to rame up? A word, a personal word from the Lord for your 2019. I don't think this is too weird to ask. This isn't some mystical thing. I'm not saying that he's gonna give you something that's not already in here. He's not gonna give you something that you haven't already heard before, but he does have something specific for you that's different than what he's got for you and that it's different than what he's got for you and you. And what di- He's got a word for me this morning. And the same things that I've been that, that I've been living on from God for 2018 won't sustain me in 2019. I need a fresh revelation from God. The amazing thing is, He's not greedy up in heaven, like just hoarding all of these things. He wants to give you a word if you will simply ask and listen. And this is how it typically happens for me. It's not some booming voice from heaven, it's some silence simple, small, soft word that is often for me discovered through prayer. Sometimes through reading scripture, something specific jumps out at me and leaps into my heart and takes it captive. Sometimes it can be through a a preached word or through a time of worship where God speaks a word directly to my heart, a rhema word as we conclude this service this year, why don't you ask God for a word? Like what's the worst that can happen? Better yet, what's the best that could happen if you simply ask? And I wanna leave you with a word already spoken clearly to all children of God. If you hear nothing else from this message and if you ask and and don't seem to hear anything from God this morning, I want you to rest in this truth. You are his son. You are his daughter. He loves you. And he is pleased with you. Let's pray. God, as we conclude another year and move into 2019, I pray that your voice would be louder than any other voice we hear. And God, that we would find ourselves close to you and as you speak, we would listen. Give us ears to hear so that when we find ourselves in season of struggle, that the questions would not overwhelm us. Instead, help us to turn to you. Help us to trust in you that you are who you say you are, that you'll do what you said you'll do, that you will provide, that you will protect, that you will promote in your own way and in your own time. Help us not try to force your hand, but to patiently wait. And God, the thing that is going to sustain us, the thing that is going to give us strength and nourishment during that time of waiting, during the season of struggle, is a word from you, is a rhema. So God, I pray that you would speak right now to the hearts of the men and women here. For those that do not yet have a relationship with you, God, I pray that you'd start their 2019 off right. And their word today would be, salvation, come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. God, would you give us each individual words today, one that would carry us through the difficult days. And as one year closes and another opens, help us to be encouraged by the truth that we are your sons and daughters, that you love us and that you are pleased with us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.